calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Are you ready for the news with a side of bell pepper? Seriously, what the f*** are you doing? It's time for Trend Lightly. No, God, please, no, no! With America's sweetheart. With America's sweetheart. The Queen of Glendale. Glendale. Who are you? The Irish American Tornado. Surprise, motherfucker. Molly McAleer. Molly McAleer. Welcome back to Trend Lightly. I'm Molly McAleer. Tiffany Maddox, I know you're hungover, but how are you really doing? (laughs) I'm okay. I'm coming back to life. It's one of those, like, you know, it was pretty bad when I woke up. It was pretty intense, but I did like all of the things that I know to work for me, which is that like, I have to throw everything at the problem. So I have to have instantly have a rehydration drink. I have to take some painkillers. I take a little something to settle the stomach, like a little bit of like Pepto. Then I, then I have to feed the thing. So I have to like, I have to eat like very bad junk food and then and then something. Oh, and then like I have to have at least like three different beverages on the go throughout the day, and then I'm fine. I don't know about you. I don't know what your like hangover ritual is, but I think I've got it down pat now. Oh, I I want to hear more about the snacks you eat, but my hangover ritual is always a can of room temperature Coca Cola <laughs> and like as big of a thing of meat so soup as they will send me from the sushi restaurant. Mm, and nice. that has like yeah it's like a reanimation that happens truly where you're like okay I'm like a flat character I have nothing inside of me I'm you know and also it's so spiritually taxing to be that hungover I would say that that's almost worse than I don't know I used to throw up all the time after drinking when I was younger yeah, and I don't nice. do that and I, it's been years since I've thrown up from being hungover yeah but yeah, actually, shout out malls. It's been <laughs> <laughs> good for you. I don't think that's happened to me in like five or six years. But you know, there's occasionally the time where you're just like, oh my God, I don't think my body can do this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I that's typically my routine. And then a lot of times I just like sort of I lay flat till about dinner time. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I start to feel ready. I start to get my second wind, and then I just go to bed at like 8 p.m. And sleep it off because I actually find that 
the day after you're hungover when you sleep really well is like a it feels like a full cellular regeneration type thing where you're like, I was broken yesterday. I feel like my whole body has, you know, completely healed. I feel more in my body than I did before I drank all that. Totally. Yeah. On this Easter weekend, like we are all reminded of our own regeneration and reanimation when we die and come back to life on the second day. Now, okay, wait. It is Easter when we're recording today. I don't feel like Easter's fun. And I know that that's not the point. But Easter is like sold to you as a kid where you get candy because mm-hmm. the bunny comes. But then once you're a non believer, mm. and you might still have a parent who buys you an Easter basket, but it's just you realize I don't get work off tomorrow. Like I have to go straight into work. It's basically, I hate to say this, for the non-religious, it feels like a fucking waste of a holiday. Yeah, it feels very like, I think very child and family centric. And if you're not, uh, if if you're kind of non-religious and also not a child, I don't know. It's, It's not very fun. There's nothing really to be done about it. Yeah, I feel like there's a misunderstanding that I'm experiencing where today I'm on TikTok and I'm scrolling through and I'm seeing all these like adults that I would think are my peers, but they're at their parents' house in like a pastel button down shirt and a tie. And it's like, babe, what? Like you do this too. Like, how do you even live close enough to your family to pull this off? That was mm-hmm. that's the other thing I think is like, I assume most people don't live close to their family. Maybe that's what's throwing me a little bit. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, I did celebrate this weekend by going to a space drag party dressed as like a nineties Barbie fembot. So. That's what Jesus, I think, would have wanted. I think he literally said that. He said, I want more of that. That's exactly what Jesus would want. Well, so we talked a little bit on our bonus episode that we recorded with your embarrassing internet stories, which I would like to just tell you guys are not that embarrassing. Some of you feel way worse than you should about your internet behavior. But like... How did it? So you pulled the costume together. You decided mm-hmm. to go l- like less alien esque and more fembot. Mm-hmm. How quickly did you pull it together? What was the makeup look? Oh, well, it, it basically started because I wanted I wanted to do the complete opposite of what I normally do, which is dress all in black all the time. So I was like, "What is the antithesis?" Very pink. Outfit came together super quickly. I went to uh, Primark, which is. Uh, you know, filled with like cheap fast fashion nonsense and bought a bunch of really ridiculous shit. I did like crying glitter tear makeup. I had like an ice white blonde wig and like little pink like fur pom-poms in my hair. Um, And I got to wear like fuzzy pink like sliders, which is always just the vibe for going out. I also, <laughs> my Hello Kitty flip phone around my neck and I had a gun that was pink that shot bubbles, which was absolutely a hit of the party. Yeah, I was very proud of it. So Wait, you I really did. You? you really made it a costume party for yeah. yourself because yeah. like that's a full 180 from what you do. 
Yeah, I I was like, I want to wear what I want to wear. Yeah. <laughs> no, you made it work. You made it work. And yeah, Tiffany's Hello Kitty flip phone is divine. I it's looked ridiculous. it up. I almost purchased one for myself, but I was like, there's just no way I'm using this. But if I go to, if I travel internationally in the near future, that's definitely the one that I'm getting. Cause I've had to buy like cheap flip phones before I could just like, I, I think that last time, second to last time I went to Europe, I couldn't use my phone because mm. it was like Verizon doesn't have SIM cards or didn't oh. at the time. This was like seven or eight years ago, granted. But I had to use like a T9 phone and I was like, God, I still got it, baby. In terms of typing on Texting. that thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not an autofill person. I don't like spell track and I don't like autofill. So you just yeah. really got to really got know what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had fun and I'm sorry you're paying the price. Today we're going to be Today's kind of like a fun show, I think. This is like I a lot so. of it's a lot of like more cute stories and trends that are going on. It's also by the way, before we get into it, Coachella weekend. And mm. well, weekend one of two weekends, which is I I mean, they must have added the second weekend a few years back because it used to just be a one weekend thing. A lot of people are talking about getting served Coachella content on their FYP, but I haven't really gotten any so much as mostly people commenting on the fact that like Kylie Jenner and Hailey Bieber were both incredibly dressed down in sort of just white tanks and leather jackets and jeans, which is like so on the other side of what we've seen from... I don't know, Coachella fashion, quote unquote. And I feel like that's the that's a good thing. I hope that it goes back to because at the heart of it, Coachella was like sort of just like, you know, yeah, it was you probably did have to be incredibly privileged to be there always. But it was much more of like, I think just sort of like a chill desert music festival. Mm-hmm. And then it became this incredibly commercial thing, this like really commercial outing. And I sent you a TikTok from someone earlier that just basically says like, there's no Coachella FOMO this year because main it's mainly influencers do it like working. Mm, it's, I mean, we, we all remember Sugar Bear Hairgate. Oh yeah. Oh my God. You just sent me your costume. <laughs> you, I just saw your costume. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. This is how I wish I looked all the time, but I, uh, I'm too embarrassed to do that. So I can only do it one night a year. You can. <laughs> and you do. You kind of look like you're going to Coachella maybe four years ago when people <laughs> look at it. It's, it's giving like James Charles assless chaps. I mean, this is the thing is that it's so fucking uncomfortable to be in that part of the state. It's like there's really no relief from it because you're so hot all day. There's like humidity and not having humidity is probably the the greatest thing it has going for it, but it's a desert. So it's really hot. And then at nighttime, it's freezing. I don't know where people are carrying around like their sort of evening wear jackets and stuff like that, because you definitely can't unless you've been doing drugs all day, you're probably not going to be warm enough to survive at night. (laughs) But I've never seen like anything advertising, maybe like a locker space or something at Coachella where you could put your big fun fur jacket or something. Mm. So I don't, yeah, 
it's not it's not for us i think like i think that you have to have a vip ticket if you want it to be a really like comfortable situation for you yeah yeah but truly all like all experiences are better if you're incredibly wealthy like mm-hmm. there's not there's not a single like thing on the planet that can't get better with wealth like if you think about something that's really bullshit like flying like flying is objectively horrible unless you're flying in like business or first class <laughs> like it just is the whole experience is so different like I remember that like when I first flew business and I was like oh I get to like like security it was like very easy and then I like sat in the lounge and like drank gin and tonics and ate free breakfast and then like had a lovely flight and I was like is this what is this what other people have been doing this whole time yeah this is so fucking annoying I know I know there's really it it's hard to know when you're having probably a peak experience that you'll never have again Mm. and I hope to avoid as many of those in the future as possible because it just it makes you I don't know, just like you'll never enjoy it as much again. You'll probably never get to be there again. And every time you fly after that, you're thinking, oh, God, remember that time? Yeah, it ruins you. You couldn't yeah. possibly have like – no, it ruins you. I've like I've, – I've only mm, – have I been to many festivals? No, because the idea actually of being with lots of people and trapped there outside and just uh, – the whole thing just like does not appeal to me. But I ha- used to have this boyfriend who's in a band and so like – I sometimes I go to festivals and but it would, it would always be like VIP and I was like I'm definitely never doing this if I have to do this like actually because even in the VIP I was like this is actually a bit shit I'd rather be at home yeah I was VIP at Bonnaroo a couple years in a row and I will say that one thing that's for sure worse about VIP is that the bathrooms are disgusting Like, at least in the main area, for the most part, a lot of people are camping there. So they take good care of the bathrooms knowing that, you know, it's sort of like a treat people the way you would want to be treated sort of thing. But with the artists, they don't give a shit. Like, well, they do give a shit, but like also literally all over the toilet seat. Like they don't, it's the most foul experience Ever. And I'll never forget like the faces that some, that people would be making when they left the porta potty. It'd just be like, it looked like people were scarred for life. <laughs> and your body does shut off a little bit when you're in a situation like that. But yeah. one thing I will say is I, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I don't think I have like pretty privilege or something like that. But I will say that I've always been able to kind of get what I want at in an environment like that, even when I wasn't in VIP, because I just have like the audacity to uh-huh. like, you know, you pick like one or two clothing items that are exceptional that no one else is going to have, meaning that you're not shopping at a place like Shein. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you're like digging around at a thrift store or something and you just put that on with like bikini bottoms and sunglasses and you just can walk backstage. They like won't even question it because you're just like, you look like you probably, because only an insane person would dress like that. Mm -hmm. So you can just like kind of get away with a lot more. I mean, obviously there's the trick of like showing up in all black because you probably look like you work with the crew or something, but you don't want to look like the crew. Mm -hmm. You want to have like, you know, just some insane sunglasses 
a fur coat and yeah, just bikini bottoms or something similar. That'll take you everywhere you want to go in life. (laughs) It's my 10 out of 10 rack for you guys. Okay, well, let's start with this little fun thing. I just want to talk about it. So I'm still into Wordle, very much so. Yeah. And I've always said that Wordle is like a children's game. And there's like no better example. I, I get so much joy out of this every day, almost, I think, you know, every other day, maybe. This teacher, Miss Hunter, who is somewhere in the South, she teaches, I think, a fourth grade. And she and her fourth graders do Wordle together every morning. And it is like so cute to watch. First of all, the kids just are so enthusiastic in the way that they, (laughs) how seriously they take it. And you never, maybe it's all cut out or whatever, but you don't hear kids like being rude to each other at all while they're playing Mm -hmm. Wordle, which I can't remember a group activity in a classroom when I was in school where there wasn't like a, I don't know, low key, like hate speech being tossed around. (laughs) But they're so, it's so cute and like watching them problem solve and get the answer together. And like sometimes even Miss Hunter isn't the best Wordle player. And it's like, it's just this really, it's, but they've never lost, which is amazing. And it's just this really, I don't know. I find it very gratifying for some reason to see these kids playing Wordle. I'm always impressed by them. Yeah, it's it's actually really like fun to watch the energy in the room because you kind of feel like you're rooting for them all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I imagine this is what esports feels like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, I just I'm gonna recommend it to anyone. The link is in the show notes as always. But that was like my, you know, that was my peak of the week. I really enjoyed it. It was my what's what is it called? Like your rose or your thorn? It was my yeah. rose. <laughs> I loved it. Your peak and your pit, your rose and your thorn. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 
You sent me this other story that I was so thankful for. Apparently, there's this gorilla. Do you want to tell me <laughs> what's going on there's, with the gorilla? There's a gorilla who I think you called George. Did you call him George when we were talking about it? <laughs> but his I, name like was confidently. I was Very like, confident. oh, we're gonna talk about George, and you were like, who? And I'm like, the gorilla. And like, I'm like, wait a minute, I made that up. I don't know that his name is George at all. <laughs> and I, I don't think it is actually. But his name's actually a mare, I think. <laughs> it is. It is. It's a mare. He's a 415-pound gorilla. He lives at Lincoln Park Zoo. And he's got a problem. He is addicted to screen time. He loves it. He loves when visitors come and show him videos and pictures on their cell phones. And there was another gorilla that tried to rush him in a show of kind of aggression. And Amar didn't even respond because he was too busy, I guess, like looking at someone's TikTok on their phone. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I think that the uh the zoo have had to kind of rope off a section outside of the uh, outside of his enclosure so that people won't go up and show him videos and pictures on their phone but like I think let him have his own phone are you like, fucking ki- yeah are you fucking kidding me this is a working animal yeah I, give him a phone it's like any other person who works in America, like you need a fucking phone to do your job. And <laughs> also, you know, I mean, just first of all, I don't know. Whenever someone talks about a zoo, like, oh, I went to the zoo, unless you were like literally 10 years old, how dare you? I like don't ever bra- I would never, that's like admitting a deep, dark secret. That's like saying that you like masturbate in the stall at work like I'm sure it happens but like don't brag about it like technically that is a crime <laughs> oh my god I have to say I mean I don't really I don't really fuck with the zoo anymore because they're very very sad but I, I really enjoy the Dallas Aquarium oh I think aquariums are fine as long as it's fine. well I mean like not a sea world where they're no, no, like no, no. No, it's actually really insane. It's like this big like arboretum and there's um it's like indoors and it's almost like a tropical rainforest inside. So you're basically just walking through a rainforest and there's lots of birds that just like fly around in the rainforest. And then sometimes you'll turn a corner and there's literally just a sloth like hanging from a tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just just, a, just out there, just like a raw sloth. I, I, there's usually someone like guarding the sloth so that you can't just go up and like poke the sloth but it's cool it's really really cool I really like the Dallas Aquarium but then I did I found a story about it that like the guy who owns it has got all these like weird like these rare animals that like you probably shouldn't have and like has brought them in some like nefarious way like stuffing them in his carry-on or something so it's like deeply unethical but anyway let this fucking let Amar have his own phone that's what yeah that's the that's the Texas of it all too I think yeah, the wild is. animals. But well, so Stephen Ross, the director of the zoo, is like, you know, no harm, no foul in this case is what he says. But he goes, he talks about it. Ross, who has teenagers of teenagers of his own, laughed at the fact that he's now battling screen time issues on two fronts. As parents, we think about what we want to give our children choices. That is not a real sentence. Yeah, let's let's be done with the gorilla. Other than to say that <laughs> one. Give him his fucking phone. I'll yeah. send him an iPad. Okay, I have oh an old iPad. God. An iPad would be amazing with some just pre-programmed shows, like nothing. You know, we're not going to expose him to the algorithm, the YouTube algorithm. He'll go absolutely. He'll go all right. 
go, yeah, he a hundred percent would. Like, what is the harm though? I mean, he literally is a gorilla who lives in captivity, which is unfair because really he should be in the wild. So, like, why can't he have Netflix? I don't understand. I don't know. I mean, the answer is I don't know. And and <laughs> does it really matter? Like, do they? I mean, I I also want an ethical answer to the zoo. Because I feel like there's nothing greater than being a kid and seeing a giraffe with, like, your bare eyes, you know? Mm. <laughs> and just be having that, like, moment of, like, oh, my God, I've seen these on TV. I've seen them in a book, you know? A petting zoo is mild, you know? Mm. No one ever really wants to, like, hang out with donkeys. Sorry to donkeys but like it's just sort of like anything you can find in a petting zoo is going to be kind of boring but there's nothing more kind of amazing as a kid than seeing this like I don't know what feels like a, a practically like fantastical creature that you may not ever see unless you're on some sort of cartoon safari right mm -hmm. so I don't <gasps> know can I tell you my favorite ever gorilla thing that ever happened to me yeah because <laughs> like, we all have one yeah <laughs> There's a there's a zoo near uh, where I live. It's a very old. It's actually closed down now because it's uh, deeply cruel. No, it's not deeply cruel. That's unfair, but it's too small. It's not really fit for purpose anymore. But it's been there since Victorian times. Anyway, I once visited many many years ago, and they had this new gorilla enclosure that had this sort of like um, like island, like floating island, and it was kind of um, I think it was quite large. <sighs> Anyway, I was looking at this gorilla across in this island and a bird flew past the gorilla and the gorilla punched it out of the air, like midair. <laughs> it was like one of the funniest things I've ever seen. The bird was fine. The bird just kind of was a bit dazing fuse and flew off. But um, it was really abstract. I also once saw a capybara pee on a child, <laughs> which was really funny. I mean, they really are our cousins. You know, yeah, and yeah. so it's not, it's no wonder that we think they're so funny. Like, that's, I yeah. mean, they're basically, they're human adjacent. Yeah. And apparently, one of the things that people were showing him on the phone is they would film video of him and take pictures of him and then show him the video and pictures. Mm hmm. <laughs> He's obviously like checking, being like, not that one, delete that one. That one's for the gram, <laughs> not that one. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. You know, God bless, you know, God bless our, our primate, you know, loose relatives. Yeah. They're Proud of them. Mates for a reason, because they're friends of ours. They, and they should all have at least, I mean, I'm down with them having an Oculus, by the way. That, <gasps> oh, yes. Why not? Why not? That's just a matter of fucking time. By the way, we're not, we have not put the Elon Musk, like, hostile takeover of Twitter story in this episode. I, we didn't even talk about it beforehand, but Tiff, can I just say, mm -hmm. he feels like horny for our attention, for anyone's attention. He is. He's so, it's like very dramatic at this point and very obvious what he's doing. And I'm sorry, but you're not going to get more coverage on the number one entertainment podcast in Bulgaria. You're just not. Yeah, absolutely not. And also like, it's very scary for me to think about as someone who's been on Twitter since the very beginning. I it makes me sick to think about what he could do to my favorite platform. Like I'm not an IG person. You'll rarely catch me scrolling. Like I think IG is the worst, truthfully. It's horrific. 
But Twitter, as much as Twitter is also a unique hellhole, there's people that I've been following for over a decade on there. Mm-hmm. And it's like a different type of relationship on Twitter because mm-hmm. you're getting people's thoughts. And I feel like I've watched it morph so much, but not in the way that Instagram has morphed in a way that it's just become more and more of like a just noxious, evil hellhole that's like meant to chip away at like the most insecure parts of any human being. Um, it, it Twitter's like really just like how mentally stable are you? If you're on the app period, probably not very, but are you as crazy as some of those other sons of bitches? No. And I also feel like Twitter is like a big crazy person watch system where we're watching, we're watching each other. Like we're all obviously, you know, the twice a day tweeters, twice a day plus tweeters. We're all fucking insane. Mm -hmm. Like for sure. There's just, no bones about it. And if you take offense to that, you need to talk to someone <laughs> because it's <laughs> it's not a sane platform. But I do feel like there's like a community on there that I just don't think could exist on Instagram. No, definitely not. It is like for the unhinged and it may be hell, but it's our hell. Yeah. It's where I get my news. It's where I get my laughs. It's where I get my, you know, Fucking, it's, it's, I've treated it like a diary since the beginning. Like, it's like kind of my public diary. And yeah. I don't know. Okay. Can we talk about the DEA? Immediately, if not sooner. Okay. So I had the great privilege of going on Everybody Wants Something, which is a Degrassi podcast that's on the Solid Listen Network. And we got to do the episode where Emma the legacy character from Degrassi junior high and high, she gave like blowjobs in the ravine for sex bracelets. Oh. And she got gonorrhea of the throat. Does that ring a bell? (laughs) No, but it sounds fascinating. It's a great one. And something we kept talking about a lot is the idea of sex bracelets being a real thing yeah we called them shag bands in our okay shag bands okay so i i don't think that i don't really think that those were real i feel like it reminds me of the like punch a teacher in the face day yes yeah you know territory exactly like one one group of friends were doing it the parallel i made was to the pregnancy pact Mm-hmm. Where it was like maybe so- some group of teens did this at one high school. It's not particularly well documented, and they never got to the bottom of whether or not there was a pregnancy pact or, frankly, just like a group of sexually active young women at this high school. Mm-hmm. And they tur- they've they turned it into this whole thing where it's like parents were like, well, what if my kids' schools like do a pregnancy pact? What if that happens to us? And, and truthfully, we, we don't even know if it was ever – if it ever really happened, period. But it's this like hysteria that gets caused through different things. Another throwback is when they would say on like the news like – POS means parent over shoulder, like little AIM codes that uh, allegedly we were typing to each other. Yeah. So the DEA has released a bunch of 
emoji combos and codes that stand for drugs. And I figure before we get into the codes themselves, we should just play a classic clip from HRH Collection, which kind of summarizes how I feel about the DEA doing this. Who else to be a better mouthpiece for us, right? Mm-hmm. This is why we have no fun, because you're a bitch. You are a fucking snitch-ass, loser-ass bitch, okay? So you are. You're a fuck. There's something wrong with you in your head. Were you the biggest, the biggest loser in all of high school? Where now you're acting like you're still in high school, the biggest fucking loser. I mean, say no more, fam. Right? Like, what fucking <laughs> dorks? So, yeah. So if anyone doesn't know, the DEA is the Drug Enforcement Association, I think. that's. I think that's what the A stands for. But... In, in our country, I'm sorry, in my country, uh, this is these are the people that basically do all the research on drugs. And they've released this little list of potential combos that parents should be looking out for, which, like, I don't know, if your kids are using drugs, like, they probably are not... Is this how it works? Like, they maybe have... Is this how it works? Like, your parents would have, like, access to your texts or whatever, and that you would, <laughs> you wouldn't, you would be so bold as to think you'd get away with something like a fucking combo of emojis? I know. I hate that they've released this, like, I guess, like, image cheat sheet, which I've got a problem with on many levels, because it looks fake, because as a, it's like, it, the spacing's all weird. There's this bit where it says universal for drugs, but there's no space in between the L and the F. So universal for is one word, which really annoys me, like deeply annoys me on every conceivable level. But I know that like, I don't know, these <laughs> certain drug dealers, friends of mine will be on almost like a mailing list for these drug dealers, right? Who'll send out these like WhatsApp blasts that are like filled with emojis. And I think... I remember Bella uh, Nosebleed Fits on TikTok, one of my favorite creators who did the birthday cameo for you, uh, did an iconic TikTok where she's like, <laughs> Medela just sent me sent me this. He sent me um, a load of deals with a rainbow flag and said, happy pride. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I love the idea of like, everybody's a marketer these days. And like, maybe it is just like, you know spicing up your like deals like if you're doing two bags for a hundred or whatever or or whatever it might be then maybe emojis are the best way to liven up your drug shop window yeah okay well okay let's like go let's go through them we've you've already touched on universal for drugs can we just say that it's the like the red canadian maple leaf hate it untrue definitely untrue definitely untrue I mean, why, I don't that, wanna... why would that be it? Why would that be the one and not the pill? I, I don't want to throw myself under the bus, but like, I feel like I've been around a decent amount of drugs earlier in my lifetime. I would, I would think that that meant that my dealer was moving to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, like, I wouldn't know what to make of that if that was sent to me. It says dealer advertising. It's like the tongue the money tongue symbol a crown a bag of money a stack of money and also a plug the plug makes sense the plug makes sense and then high potency we get a rocket 
a bomb and like a little explosion. Large batch is a single cookie, which I'm Ooh. sorry, that's mm. not a large batch. It's a single cookie. Mm-mm. Then there's also like meth, uh, which I'm sorry. There's I don't think there's kids looking for meth. I'll just be honest. No. If you're no. old enough that you're or young enough that your parents are monitoring your phone activity, you're probably not doing meth. Same with the heroin, though. And I also feel like maybe this is a really antiquated way of looking at it. But I feel like if you're someone who's using meth and heroin drugs that like will cause you to the addiction will have to cause you to re-up so frequently then I feel like you're not sending little coded messages to a dealer you're probably like (laughs) if you're going back several times a day yeah I don't see a a emoji here for puppy chow either which I feel Mm -hmm. like ever since Azalea introduced me that term that's how I would refer to heroin colloquially there is a dragon though like chasing that dragon but cocaine it has everything here including a puffer fish which i can only imagine is referencing coke bloat oh i was trying to figure that out and also why just the tongue out like was like the emoji with the tongue out why that why not a nose like a little nose emoji but there's no like man skiing oh yeah, I do. Wouldn't you think it'd be like skiing? Like, I mean, yeah. there's a snowman, there's some rain clouds, stuff, an eight ball, obvious. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then MDMA mollies, I wouldn't, I mean, there's like a pill, there's like a lightning bolt, I don't know. Then mushrooms is liter- quite literal. Yes. It's literally yeah. just solely the mushroom emoji. We have like cough syrup, but like there's there's not a high schooler that can afford cough syrup. Like if they can, their parents are not looking at their phone. Mm-mm. And then weed is just exactly what you would think it would be. It's various it's, trees. It's incorrect. It's incorrect because where's the broccoli emoji? As we know, the broccoli emoji is heavily used. I mean, I don't want to be a snitch, but yeah, and the leaves falling. Yes, the leaves falling and the broccoli. The two most used weed emojis Mm -hmm. because like i think tiktok will ding you for the puff Mm. but it's a little harder to prove when you're just talking about some falling leaves but anyway the da you need to stop being such fucking snitches i know you have a job to do i just can't imagine i cannot imagine going home to like my friends and family and being like yeah guys so i am Working for the DEA, like I would keep, I would have to keep that a secret. I would never tell anyone that because what a bunch of dorks. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm a narc. That's my whole life. I'm a narc. I'm a professional narc. And I, and I understand some people probably get into it because they have friends or family that, you know, they feel affected by it or whatever. But I would say that that's probably the smallest percentage of people of why they got into it. I think some people just are narcs in spirit, and that's where yeah. you wind up. It, it has hall monitor energy. Like you graduate from being a hall monitor, and you go, "Where do I go from here?" DEA probably. Leave us your emoji codes for drugs. I'm going to post this on our Instagram, mm-hmm. and make sure you hit us up with your emoji codes for drugs because we're not tagging the DEA, by the way. So don't worry, but. <laughs> Yeah, I just, uh, I can't get over this kind of stuff. It's like so painful to see these things pop up where it's like, guys, this isn't real. Like, how are you still falling? It's very, 
I don't know. It's very Republican to me. Mm. Conservative yeah, has Republican. To be a panic. Always has to be a panic. Right. And it's like the problems are actually like way more significant than probably your kid doing Molly on the weekends. Like there's probably some, you know, if your kids are, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Yeah. Let your kids do drugs. It doesn't matter. They should they should be getting it out of their systems when they're young. Why not? I right? Know. I also feel like, I mean, to be serious for a moment, like all fucking drug policies are regressive and don't work and prohibition doesn't work and breeds like harm always. Like things that exist in the shadows, like sex work, like anything that can't be properly monitored and regulated are more harmful. And I just feel like... And just this isn't the way <laughs> this is not like this is just not the answer this is never it's it's literally never worked the war on drugs has never worked yeah no to be clear I was not kidding like I <laughs> I mean it because I think that I waited so long to enjoy my young life like I was basically straight edge in high school I mean you know maybe it's a couple Mike's Hard Lemonades down the Cape when I'd go with my high school boyfriend or something, but it was very mild. I didn't smoke weed until I got to college. And I feel like my partying stage went on for a lot longer than it would have if I had, I I know it sounds bad, but I would always see my friends who were like got sober by the time they were like 18, 19 and be like mm-hmm. so jealous that they got it out of their system at such a young age and can just have like a sober adult life, you know, where they've had to do a ton of emotional work on themselves and get through it. And there's a lot of like younger people who can experiment and it's not going to become a problem for them. And I don't know. I know that sounds terrible, but like in a way, I'm kind of like, you should be lucky if your kid is getting it out of the way before they even go to college and you start paying for them to fuck up. Yeah, well, quite. And if people aren't, I don't know, if people aren't, people are going to get fucked up regardless, always. Like, it is very certain. There's always going to be that urge. Like, it happens everywhere in humans in the animal kingdom, whether you're a being fermented fruit so you can get fucked up and go back to the hive, or if you're a human being taking some MDMA at Coachella. Like, it is a very universal urge for many people. Yeah. Um, And also if you have the kind of kids that you don't give them sugar at home mm -hmm, and then when you take them to a party and like by the time you pick them up, your child has acted out and behaved like a fucking fiend because they finally got access to skittles. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's when we're showing signs of like what deprivation does. And I'm not saying buy your kids drugs or be passive about it. I just think that there's worse things in the world than like youthful experimentation yeah if you have an open dialogue with your kids and can talk to them like they're human beings and they feel like that you're a person that they can trust then it is go you're going to be able to foster a healthier relationship with substances probably than scrolling through their phone looking for the fucking canada emoji yeah <laughs> like, no it's never sure. gonna work just a little maple leaf in the middle and being like, yep, I know you're you're doing drugs. You're doing drugs. Absolutely. Like, I remember. So like, do you know all the kids call themselves crackheads now? Yeah, of course. So we, I think, also use the word crackheads. We'd also be like, 
Oh, you're like sniffing glue, I think was like a thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mom found a note in one of my pockets that I had written to a friend but forgot to pass her. And I was like, hey, I'm in so sh- like sniffing glue or something. And I got sat down for like the talk of a lifetime. And I was like in sixth grade. I barely knew what I was saying. I just knew that it was like something that people would say if you were like being hyper or like in a silly mood. But like more than that, I think I was making fun of it. And I, I mean, I could, I mean, Shauna, like I couldn't have been a bigger dork. There was no way I was sniffing glue in Soch. (laughs) But it was like, it was like, for some reason, this was taken so fucking seriously. And I remember like one of the neighbors was in on it, like coaching my mom on how to get through to me about my drug use. And like, it was like, you should be happy. And looking back, I'm like, you would have been happy if I was sniffing glue in the long run because then I I just partied way, way too hard throughout like up until like my early 30s. I was just partying way too hard. So, yeah, but that's also maybe L.A. culture a little bit. But the people I knew who were, had a very good relationship with drugs, especially in college, were the people whose parents would like smoke weed with them over Christmas break. Right. Because it just wasn't such a scandalous thing. And always the more afraid your parents seem of something, the more like, you know, illicit and delicious it seems. So I don't know, guys. Chill out. (laughs) Stop listening to the goddamn DEA. And to the DEA, fuck you. All right. (laughs) Where were you when when you heard about – oh, go ahead. No, no, ask me. Where was I when I heard about Rihanna and ASAP Rocky? Yeah. Oh, it was – it was a dark day. I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw the name trending on the side. And that's when I heard that. I mean, I don't know if you know about Rihanna. She's this uh, up and coming indie artist <laughs> from Barbados. Yes, I've heard she likes, she's like kind of plays with makeup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she used to make albums, but like she hates her fans. So she doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> she, does, she does hate her fans. No, I like Rihanna's a queen. She she's is. like the best. There's, I mean, she's, yeah, she's like the hottest, coolest person that's ever lived. Oh, sure. And she's prego, which I think everyone's been anticipating. Well, I guess everyone's been anticipating her album for the last eight years. But (laughs) (laughs) I would say that everyone was always wondering who would be the guy that was worth it enough for someone like Rihanna to settle down with, right? Because we also root for her as someone who was a victim of like a really horrific domestic violence attack. Mm-hmm. On top of the fact that she's just the sexiest, coolest person probably on the planet. Mm-hmm. And she got Mage Prague by ASAP Rocky, who I I do love ASAP Rocky. Yeah, same. And she looks incre- – she's glowing. She looks so happy. I'm, like, delighted for her. She's always been just, I don't know, the most beautiful. So then, you know, she's been also, like – enjoying her pregnancy I would say like almost she's making a meal of it you know I don't know how long I feel like she's going to be someone who's pregnant for an alarmingly long time because I know she kind of like stepped out with the bump at a certain point but how many months along is she she looks pretty far along like she looks like she's definitely ready to pop in the next couple months and she's been doing a lot of shoots like she's had a lot of major fashion moments which is something that you don't – it's almost like vintage. You don't really see pregnant people having a lot of fashion moments anymore. 
But there was a while where that was really kind of trendy. And so I don't know. I've just been really happy for her. But then the news came out allegedly that like ASAP Rocky had cheated on her and that the two of them had gotten into a fight at Craig's, which are you familiar with Craig's outside of the fact that it's sort of like a paparazzi hotspot? It's kind of the new Ivy in some oh, ways. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. It's like, it's like a little Italian restaurant in West Hollywood and it's not particularly difficult to like, get a table there or anything, but there's always paparazzi waiting outside. It's right off of Robertson and it's, yeah, it's just like a little Italian eatery that has really reliable, delicious food. And so she was seen arguing with ASAP Rocky at a table there and like crying. And there was some like grainy footage that people were pointing to it and being like, yep, this is the day she found out that he was cheating on her with none other than her lead shoe designer at Fenty. Mm, so, Okay. This is Amina Muadi. Yes, that's exactly okay. who she's. And she's like, you know, Rihanna's been a fan of hers for a long time before they started working together. And, you know, there was started to be rumors about, you know, this designer's boyfriend, who I guess is a comedian. Uh, he wasn't following her anymore. And Rihanna wasn't following her anymore. But that's always like, I don't, that's always this, there's this huge thing with, kids I think that look at people in their 30s and are like she unfollowed him on Instagram and it's like adults don't do that do they well only if they're if they're making a statement like I never think that it's it's never for anything other than to make a public declaration exactly that's why I thought it was so odd when Addison Ray's parents unfollowed each other on Instagram because it's like mute just mute each other like you have children together and also there's like a ton of teenagers who are going to be invested in whatever arguments happening here. So I I thought what was interesting about the Craig's video is that like, let's be real, like Rihanna's pregnant. She's probably crying all the time. Like, and I don't think that they would go to Craig's for this come to Jesus about him cheating on her with someone that is so intertwined with her business. Mm-hmm. That seem it's like it seems a little it's like, you know, if you and your regular boyfriend, any person in America, like went to the town McDonald's to fight, it just it doesn't make any sense. So the guy who spread this rumor, Louis Pisano, his name sounds familiar. This isn't the guy who said that the queen was dead, right? That's what I was gonna ask. I don't think so. That was oh, I don't No. He he writes this Instagram story saying, hi, all. So I'd like to address the situation. Last night, I made a dumb decision to tweet some information I had received. I'm not going to talk about sources, blame others, or discussion that was started, etc. Because at the end of the day, I made the decision to draft the tweet, press send, and put that out with my name on it. So I'd like to formally apologize to all parties I involved with my actions and for my reckless tweets. I fully accept the consequences of my actions for my tweets and, and any harm that they cause. Do you think that he's not really, this is like kind of a bullshit apology? Mm-hmm. Because he's already just saying like my tweets, my tweets, but it's he's not even, I mean, is it yeah. good or bad that he's not referencing the people he hurt? I don't know, but I even think like saying my tweets makes them like entities of their own yes. like doing you know 
it removes him from as much as he's saying it's my responsibility. It's kind of like saying like my kids where it's like you can't really control them once they're out of your house, you know, Mm -hmm. like, but he goes, I fully blah, 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 accept the consequences for my actions. I have no excuse for it. I've been way too wrapped up in Twitter drama and unfortunately leaned into being messy as a brand, which is something going forward I'm going to move away from. I'm going to take some time away from Twitter to figure out what that looks like. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what it does look like, Lewis. Just if shutting the it fuck out, up. You know. yeah. yeah, why don't you why don't you take some time away to look what shutting the fuck up looks like? <laughs> and how I can start using my platforms better as I've gotten away from using them for more positive work. Again, I apologize. I apologize to them for this unnecessary drama. I mean, do you think that he got a he got a DM saying like keep my name out of your fucking mouth? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, it's either that or he just doesn't like he didn't want the screenshot. If you okay, so if he had written Rihanna and ASAP and Amina, if he had written their names in it, then he would definitely always be tied to it. But by being so vague, who knows what he's if if this if this screenshot was ever taken out of context, who knows who, what he's talking about? Yeah, no, absolutely. It gives him um, I don't know. It's kind of a really bullshit bullshit response, I think, because it's it's neither one nor the other. It's like it doesn't really it doesn't really claim any responsibility or absolution. And if he fucks up again in future, we can just blanket copy paste it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, that's exactly what it is. Uh, Yeah. It's this, um, it's, if this was a, a, like, you know, apologizing for my, like, you know, homophobia or racism or something else type of response, this would never fly. Mm -mm. And I don't know. I I just think it's like a, a kind of a sick fucking rumor to spread, especially when she's like pregnant. I mean, you always have to worry most about not what the public things, but about what that's doing to the pregnant person. Like putting a pregnant woman under undue stress is like really fucked. Yeah. And that's why I wish that there had been like a direct acknowledgement of like, it's not my job to play in a pregnant woman's business. Right. But this is uh, much like the queen is dead thing. The race to be the first to break a story for people who don't have any journalism training, like who like don't have the authority really to break news because they they just don't have the rigor of checking. I mean, even fucking journalists fuck up all the time, obviously, mm-hmm. but at least there's like some checks and balances generally but when it's your own platform you can basically say whatever the fuck you want and I just I wonder about that I mean it's a pretty huge gamble but I suppose like if it pays off then the reward is pretty huge because like if the queen did die (laughs) and it was broken on an Instagram account you'd be like I was the one who broke the queen story and then like you're set for life like people will always trust you as a news source but then if you fuck up then I think reputationally there is some damage because people don't necessarily trust you but I don't think I don't know I feel like I feel like the 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 payoff if you're right is 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 probably maybe worth the gamble for some people and I haven't seen the original tweets but it does feel like kind of like original gawker Mm. the way that if 
they couldn't confirm something, it would be like supposedly blah, mm. blah, 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 you know, and it would have this, you know, very sensational headline that would get everyone excited. And if it wasn't true, then it would be like, okay, well, we were wrong. But they would always sort of set it up in this way that's like, you know, this hasn't been confirmed yet, but we're giving you this like clickbait piece of gossip or this like potential exciting thing to hold on to. Before we read Amina's response, can I just say that we like I completely forgot to put in the document that Brittany is pregnant. Oh, yeah, of course. Brittany is I mean, what do we I didn't believe it at first. I don't know. I know that she's exactly the type of person who would never lie about that. Mm-hmm. But it almost seemed like I don't know, metaphorical or something. Mm-hmm. Based off of how she writes her Instagram captions, <laughs> typically it seemed like it could have been like not so literal, but I she keeps referencing this pregnancy. She must be pretty freshly pregnant. I think so. Because didn't she find out when she was on vacay with Sam and her new assistant? Oh my God, yes. And I got a really hot tip from a friend of the show, I won't say who, because I don't know if they want to be seen. But did you know that her new assistant is like, was a part of the band Cobra Starship? Yeah, because because Britney had tagged her on Instagram. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. And he, this source said to me, <laughs> source, this uh, friend of the show had said to me something like, I feel like Britney is having a, she has a, relationship with this woman as well and no one's talking about it because like she did post this picture of her like hugging this assistant topless in the pool Mm -hmm. and her assistant was very much wearing I think it looked like a I don't know it looked like a large t-shirt over her bathing suit (laughs) (laughs) and I was just like oh actually you know what because I do think that Brittany Paris and Lindsay we're all bisexual queens and that there's been some erasure there. What do you think about that? Hmm. I mean, I it, it makes a lot of sense, but I suppose like it like today, like in today's world, everyone's fucking everyone and it just doesn't really seem to be that much of a big deal. Like, you know, it doesn't really matter like Cara Delevingne being bi and I don't know. It's just like it just kind of flies under the radar. I feel like it would have been a pretty big deal if it was more open like back in the day, right? Definitely was. I mean, listen, Lindsay Lohan up until I think a few years ago, like completely denied that there was any sort of romantic relationship between her and Samantha Ronson, which is like no shit, babe. We all know. Mm. Yeah. And then Brittany, I think this might be part of what her, her dad was holding over her. Was that she, you know, had had some, there was a couple like inquire articles about her trysts in Vegas pools with women. And Mm. I think Paris had had similar sort of stories written about her, but like it was a much more phobic time generally. Mm. I mean, like if you weighed 110 pounds, you were fat back then. So Mm. that was like the world was just really fucked up. Yeah. I don't think anyone under I don't think anyone will ever understand that. Like I don't think the most toxic time. It was so fucking toxic. Like there's a, a select group. You and I are in that peer group of people that lived that 
firsthand. And it's it was like, you know, it was a special hell. Mm-hmm. And I know that there was so much eating disorder talk on Tumblr and all that stuff. But I don't know that most of you guys have lived in a world where if you I mean, where Kim Kardashian was considered a chubby girl. Mm-hmm. I don't know that many of you guys have lived in a world where it was normal for women who were not a size two to be called brave for having curves, you know, because Kim's always been a small girl as well. Not that it matters, but it was just the like the phobia generally that was running rampant during that time. I don't know. I feel like and I feel like if someone, if if a star at the time was out about being bisexual, it was always a thing in articles, right? It was always like a, mm-hmm. now tell yeah. us about that, where I don't yeah. think that that, I think that if now, if, a, if someone wants to talk about that, it's like vetted through their publicist and all that stuff. But I always felt like there was this kind of like gotcha that yeah. Yeah. magazines and news were doing. So anyway, congratulations to Brittany. Yes. Yeah. Congrats to her. And you guys, let us know what you think about our theory. Not that it it literally doesn't make a difference. Okay, so here's Amina's statement. She goes, I've always believed that an unfounded lie spread on social media doesn't deserve any response or clarification, especially one that is so vile. I initially assumed that this fake gossip fabricated with such malicious intent would not be taken seriously. However, in the last 24 hours, I've been reminded that we live in a society that's so quick to speak on topics regardless of factual basis and that nothing is off limits, not even during what should be one of the most beautiful and celebrated times in one's life. Therefore, I have decided to speak up as this is not only directed towards me, but is related to people I have a great amount of respect and affection for. While Rhea is continuing to live her her serene, best-dressed pregnancy life, and I go back to my business, I wish everyone a beautiful Easter weekend, Amina. I thought this was a really classy statement. I mean, can you imagine, like, you're this, like, she's not up and coming. I mean, I think that she's done a lot of successful design work, but she's fairly unknown to the public. She's not, mm-hmm. she's basically, like, a even less famous Rachel Roy, you know, like, <laughs> where it's like, <laughs> Well, Rachel Roy loved it, and we all do think she's Becky, but I, I, yeah, it just, it must suck. Like, can you imagine, like, you know, you've just scored this big deal, and then now you're famous, incredibly famous celebrity boss who's hired you on to, like, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity is, you're now, like, the subject of cheating rumors? Like, I would I just, I would die. And, it, and, and to a much-beloved figure, you know, people... I think even people who aren't like hardcore Rihanna stands acknowledge that she is fucking cool and brilliant. And she is, she is very much beloved. So I feel like becoming almost public enemy number one, it it will dog her quite a bit. And it's really fucked up actually. Yeah. So anyway, Lewis was a get a life. I hope you have some get a life. read, Read a fucking book, dude. Okay. Oh, Tiffany, have you ever had a surprise? Speaking of birthday parties, have you ever had a surprise party thrown for you? No, thank God, because I would fucking hate it. Hate it, right? Hate it. Hate it. I I want all of my friends and I to get on the same page. And so for those of you who are listening, please listen as hard as you can. I never want a surprise party. Never. If you start to hear rumors or like, you know, any sort of like, 
ruminations of me potentially having a surprise party, I want you to say, I don't think Molly would like that. Yeah. I just, there's, I don't even like the song happy birthday as much as I'm someone who will get up, you know, if I have to get up on a stage and tell a story or something, I can do that. Cause it's like, there's a detachment from it. And also, even though I'm, I am an absolute introvert, I am at least polite enough to work my way through that in most situations and be turned on to the point that like I can't go out for another two weeks because like mm. I'm just working up pure anxiety. Yeah, my nerves are raw after that. But there was this guy, okay? He was a Kentucky, he's a Kentucky man, as described by the Daily Mail, which, oh, did you see my my tweet about this this week that like I think that there's something going on with Daily Mail where they must be like getting paid by the woke or something because there was five headlines in one day that included the word woke. One of them was included twice. Like I, I don't know. I know what's going on. I know that they're sort of following the more conservative leaning, the more conservative leaning platforms like page six or Fox news that weaponize words like Mm -hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And but, the Daily Mail is very that, like certainly as a, a the actual physical newspaper that's sold in this country is objectively right wing garbage. Like that uses terms and words like that will make people froth at the mouth. I remember during Brexit they had a headline that said "Crush the saboteurs," which was like anyone who what didn't want Brexit was basically a saboteur. Like this very like incendiary language. So fuck them. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, we joke about the Daily Mail being our, one of our go-to news sources, but truthfully, like, I am just so, I'm so appalled by what it seemed to have come, I would say especially in the last, I I would say in like the last like six to eight weeks, it's become so much more overtly toxic and Trump supporting and very much like has a very clear agenda, which, yeah kind of seems against their business model in some ways because I feel like they're kind of like a tabloid where they're supposed to be inoffensive. Yeah, Daily Mail Online or Mail Online was always like leaned way more heavily on the like trashy, tabloidy, you know, the kind of female section. And that's how they were getting all their their clicks. I think like the physical paper was always felt a little bit more hard on the old like sort of right wing. But it's funny, isn't it, how woke is basically just... um now it's just shorthand for like something the right hates like and you can just jam it in and isn't it like i guess part of the issue is that it's like aave right so it's like this Hmm. sort of co-opting of a phrase and like flipping it around i mean it's like it's not quite like karen but like karen is now a term that both sides use against one another mm. in a way that's become like very confusing. It's like, no, you idiots. Like you're not retaining any power from this. Like you just look like fucking morons. <laughs> but, and not to be harsh, but but it's always like kind of like the Karen thing, especially the sort of like, I don't know, the 
growth of that has always been confusing. But yeah, so Daily Mail, they posted this article this week saying a Kentucky man won a almost a $450,000 lawsuit after his coworkers ignored his request to not throw him a surprise birthday party that triggered an anxiety attack. So this guy, Kevin Burling, he was working at Gravity Diagnostics Lab in Kentucky. And I don't know if it's like an office. I'm assuming that this is some sort of like office thing that they do frequently. And it got to the point where he was like, okay, well, when my birthday comes around, they're obviously going to be throwing a birthday party for me. And I would prefer not to be exposed to this. So he had told his managers in advance, it's going to make me really nervous. Please don't do this. I have anxiety. This is going to be upsetting for me. So sure enough, they go ahead and do it anyway. And Kevin decides to cope with this by going and sitting in his car. And I guess part of his de-escalation for panic attacks involves like clenching his fists. It sounds it sounds about right, like many of the other sort of tips that a therapist would give you, being like, this will help your anxiety. And mm-hmm. so he wound up getting called into the HR office, I think, and they sat him down with the managers and were like, what was your deal with the birthday party the other day? Like you were really seemed really stressed out and tense. And he started to do the the fist thing again, which was like, it seems like it was probably contained to his lap. I don't think he was swinging them around the room or something, but he, you know, he was just coping Mm -hmm. and they wound up firing him three days later. So they wound up giving him $150,000 because he would have made that for his salary that year. But they also gave him 300,000 for suffering, embarrassment and loss of self-esteem, which I would love 300,000 for that. I mean, fuck me. Dude, loss of self-esteem. Are you kidding? Like I, I'm 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 going to have to pull up some, I'm going to have to pull up some old files over here. Are you kidding me? (laughs) If that's, that's on the table, but yeah, I, I just, I really, I really, I really feel like this is super valid. And also they, they sort of basically said that he was owed this because he was being discriminated against for his disability, which Mm. I, really agree with. I think that like we need to be there with everyone on the same page about anxiety and panic attacks. Yes, absolutely. I I think it's like a certain kind of like what what would be the get like what is the point if someone has like repeatedly told you like please don't do this to me like why why would you continue to do like what do you get out of it like do you think that like well, no, I mean, he just has never had a great surprise party and maybe I could be the one that gives it to him. Like, what is going on in this past? So head? narcissistic. That's so honestly narcissistic. what it is where it's like, this is not about you, you fucking freak. Like, <laughs> it's, it's um, like, I don't know, this clip of uh, Will and Jada on Red Table Talk has been going around, you know, this week in this long-standing effort to like try and figure out who the villain is in that relationship Mm, mm. and it was that will smith like the day after jada's 37th birthday party he was acknowledging that she was going through some sort of midlife crisis and so he hired a bunch of party planners to start planning her 40th birthday Mm. and He had hired Mary J. Blige. He had like, you know, secured this amazing location. He had all of these people that were important to her coming and spent three years 
planning her birthday party, which ultimately, you know, she kind of turned to him and said, like, this was the most obnoxious display of ego that I've ever seen. And this was about you and had nothing to do with me, mm-hmm. which I can imagine would be very hurtful. But like, you know, he understood like he was like, and I knew she was right. He's like, I knew she was right. I was trying to like fix something by not listening to the problem mm-hmm. and just try and fix it. And that I, you know, I think that not being a birthday person should be as respected as being a birthday person, because when it comes down to the, you know, the birthday thing. We talked about it in the context of like your friend who had a costume party this week turning 30, right? Which is like Mm -hmm. one of the birthdays that you can really do it up for. But there's a lot of people who will be like on their, you know, their 27th or their 32nd birthday, be like, everyone come over. We're going to do a fucking costume party. And everyone like respects it as much as they can, even the people that just are doing the lazy man's costume or something. It's very, I never feel comfortable showing up to something like that with not even like a token of my understanding of what this person wants. Yeah. And oftentimes I feel like I hold myself to a really impossible standard. So I'm not just going to find a costume that works. I'm going to find the best possible costume I can to the point where it's like, sometimes I've shown up better dressed than the actual birthday person because I'm so (laughs) afraid of not landing the theme. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, I, I think that like, you know, we all try our best for people who are like obnoxious birthday people. If someone says they, they're not a birthday person. You have to respect that. You know what I like to do for my birthday one year? I, I, I just said, I want to go to Dave and Buster's. Oh, that's so fun. And my friends were like, who do you want to invite? I was like, no one. I was like, just you two. <laughs> Uh, just Christina and Ed. Like, I mean, like, you know, I love my other friends, but I'm certainly not going to drag them out for like, you know, my 30, what, 36th birthday or whatever it was to go to Dave and Buster's. And we just got stoned and we played games and we like ate chicken tenders and shit like that. <laughs> Janelle Monet was there, which was really cool. Not for my birthday, but she was just <laughs> also at Dave and Buster's on Hollywood and Highland. And it was like a perfect, it was a perfect birthday night for me because like, you know, two and a half hours later, we were like, all right, time to pack it up. And then you go home and you were like, yeah, I got to have fun with my two best friends playing video games. And truthfully, I think I went off on my own for the majority of the night and was like, I'm just going to be over here playing this coin pusher. Like, I'll speak to you guys whenever, you know, like even on my own birthday, I, at my birthday party, I like a long time. I'm a fucking tyrant. I am a fucking tyrant. Are you? I'm terrifying. What do you like? Well, it has to last for the minimum of a week. Are you kidding? No. You're one of the, (laughs) okay, okay. But I mean like, (laughs) I, but I, I'm also like a birthday advocate. So like I, well, I'm a Satanist and Satanists, the most important day of the Satanist calendar is one's own birthday because, you know, you center yourself in Satanism. So for me, it is the most important holiday of the year. Okay. But I, you know, I'm not like horrible, but I am, I, I am the birthday bitch. Like I have to just, I have to be like Candle Roy and have too much birthday. But I'm like, I wouldn't say I was mean. I mean, maybe ask the people closest to me, like how they feel about it. But I certainly know that people in my life have called it like Tiff stock because it's like the festival of Tiff. And what I want to do is I want to maximize it. And I don't want 
to just have like one thing like I want to have like a series of fun things and like I think because my friendships groups are not necessarily connected that I kind of like to have like several nice dinners leading up to it and then other in the days afterwards I like to kind of do a few things like no I just like to maximize it a little bit I like to go away I generally like to go away usually to another country okay I'm gonna have to okay all right (laughs) we're gonna have to keep that in mind okay because as a non-birthday person I never really know what to do yeah I mean to be honest all I want is like I've definitely chilled out I would say I definitely have chilled out because I spent you know the first lockdown was March 2020 and my birthday is in May May the 1st so we were right in it we were in the thick of it and I was so depressed because I'd be spending my birthday alone for the first time in my life Mm -hmm. that I ordered a case of (laughs) I ordered a case of Bollinger and I was just drinking it for the week before and then afterwards basically I was just like I had so much champagne that I was like I was just drinking it like it was water like I was like well it's a Tuesday I'm gonna have champagne and then I think I like put on like really nice pajamas and a crown and my best friend who couldn't spend the day with me sneaked out and left a load of presents on my front step and a, and flowers and champagne and then we like had a big long like zoom party and, it, and I thought it would yeah. be really sad but it was really fun no I understand I'm I like a good if celebrating by myself birthday for sure as like an only child I think and also as someone who I don't know it's not that I don't want to put people I don't know what to ask for right and and I don't because like it like at a certain point your asks reach a limit where you're like, well, I wouldn't want to do that for someone else. So yeah. If I'm interested in that. But I think no, I I love I love spoiling myself on my birthday and just being like, I'm going to watch some disgusting TV show. I'm gonna order whatever I want to mm-hmm. eat, and I'm going to be in my dry clean only pajamas and I'm just going to be, you know, a nightmare, but by myself, like I will be happily buzzed by 2.30 PM. No question. Well, really quick. I want to say that with May 1st coming up, we've decided that for that episode, we're going to give you guys a little bit of a Tiffany retrospective in terms of your favorite things that have ever existed online. I'm so excited about this. You have no idea. Like, this is truly the best gift. I'm so excited. No, because I think you can tell a lot by what's trended with a person over their lifetime. You know, I want to know what Reddit posts you've been thinking about for 15 years. Like, this this is the kind of things that I feel also as, you know, I mean, you're not new here, but you are uh, somewhat new here. It's almost, we're coming up almost nearly on a year of you being a part of Trend Lightly, mm. which is thrilling. Yeah. But I want—I don't know that the audience knows as much about you. So let's, let's, we're doing that on May 1st. I also want to give, I'm just realizing this now, not to co-opt, but today's April 17th. Today would have been Wagon Stuff's 15th birthday. So mm. happy birthday to the late and great Wagon Stuff, my mm. best, best guy. Okay, wait. So I have a I have a little side quest. I don't think we're going to get to that in this episode, but it's something I'll post to the IG 
I want to come up with a word for a certain feeling, you know, the way that there's like, you know, usually a typical elegant German word or something for a very specific (laughs) feeling that we don't have. We need a new one of those. So that assignment will be on our Instagram, TrendLightlyPod. The other thing we want to address before we wrap up is that this Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial, first of all, televised, which is crazy. It feels like we never get on the inside of any sort of case involving a celebrity. And I'm wondering if the access or sort of what's the uh, up to the minute reporting that happened when they were uh, Johnny was suing her for defamation in the UK. I'm wondering if that's because of that, that maybe we're getting this televised case. But, you know, I didn't really know how to feel about, I I mean, I think, you know, it's my job as a fucking nosy bitch to decide who I think is guilty (laughs) in every situation. I am the judge and jury for, I don't know if you guys have noticed a lot of things. (laughs) And I, you know, it's started leaning towards the side of like, well, I mean, there's obviously you know, Amber Heard's clearly a fucking bag of mixed nuts over there. Like, she's mm-hmm. definitely... Two sandwiches short of a picnic? Yes. But then, at the same time, I also remember when this story first started coming out, how much was... And I remember one of my girlfriends pointing this out to me, how, like, it seemed like so much of the hate campaign against Amber Heard had to do with biphobia, which I thought was really interesting. Like, she was painted no, as a big that. slut. Yeah, I mean, unless we forget as well, Johnny has, in his own words, admitted to some of the acts, you know, that like physical acts against her. Like he is, he is not spotless in this whatsoever. No, and I and there's like a fucking army of bots that are yeah making their stance very clear about who's guilty here, and I was sent one piece on oh no they didn't classic if you guys don't know the classic live journal oh no they didn't then i can't help you but uh liz bentley friend of the show friend of the network she does a show on our network feathers in my hair she sent me a uh oh no they didn't post about something something else and then i guess there was a new post that was added that i was just refreshing and saw there's a timeline without really commentary of everything that had happened in terms of the accusations. It's called ONTD Original, The Complete History of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And -hmm. it gets into all of the various abuse allegations. I'm going to tell you what, like we are in this stage of, you know, I mean, it's Johnny Depp's team that are laying things out right now. So there's no witnesses being called for Amber Heard. This is apparently going to be a six week long trial. That's what they're estimating, which is really long. Yeah, that is long. But every day? Jesus. I know. And so I just would really recommend, because I do feel like I got turned around a little bit. Yeah, it's a good timeline of events. You know what else? Have you seen the thing on Discovery Plus where they did a two-parter called Johnny versus Amber? And each of the documentaries was told from each of their perspectives. No, but that's my favorite documentary style. It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. I think you probably will end up coming out of it more confused than ever before because each one is biased towards each of the individuals. But I think my takeaway from it was that like, this is an incredibly toxic situation with two people who are incredibly toxic towards each other. And you can, (laughs) 
you can believe like that both things are true at the same time. Like you don't necessarily have to pick a side. Yeah, no. And I think that one thing that's difficult about this is I, I, I was wondering, you know, a lot of people's stance is sort of like they were both abusive, period, the end. At the same time, I wonder when it comes to these particular charges, which is involving a Washington Post like op-ed that Amber had written mm. talking about how she was in an abusive relationship. I wonder if it doesn't necessarily matter that the abuse was mutual because she wasn't claiming any responsibility for her actions in the article, which means that it was inherently biased, which it's always going to be when it's a first person essay. But when you're accusing someone of abuse and leaving out your part of it, is it like, can that still qualify as defamation? Oh, I don't know. It's a good question. It's, it, it, what's interesting about this or like not interesting about this for me is that like the actual like all of the legal proceedings like thus far have been all around like very, very kind of boring libel and defamation stuff, which is not as I think it's just quite administrative, like a lot of this like suing of each other and the abuses part of that but like it feels like trying to get some sort of retribution in the only way you can which is through this like kind of slightly boring admini who said what in the press or did the press say that you know whatever it might be which is a bit like I don't know if the trial will be that well could it be explosive I mean he did accuse her of shitting in his bed I mean that's definitely human shit <laughs> if you've owned a dog you you know, you know that's human shit yeah as a it's Yorkshire just, Terrier I can tell you what a Yorkshire Terrier shit looks like now and it's not human <laughs> I I would also say if you if you're a human you know what human shit looks like not even <laughs> you don't even have to have a dog to know that that's human shit <laughs> but like I mean there's a lot of incredibly interesting elements of this you know and and this isn't going to be you know a lot of people are you know, you always see people get so ahead of themselves when it comes to things like this, but we're not going to get Elon or James or Cara Delevingne in a fucking testimony here in any way. Can I but do what I love to do is and bring it back to myself? I was mm-hmm. <laughs> reading the comments and this floored me. Okay. Floored me. So someone had asked, like, do you think Amber has like bipolar or BPD or something? Right. Mm. And someone responded with this. This isn't so much about Amber, but women in general. Last year, I was diagnosed with ASD, autism spectrum disorder, after having zero clue that I was autistic. Never had a therapist or doctor or anyone bring that up, bring up the possibility. It was wild. Anyways, quickly learned that most female autistics are actually misdiagnosed with BPD. Female autistics usually mask it so well due Mm -hmm. to society's expectations that it looks like BPD or bipolar too. Also, for what it's worth, ASD women are very likely to be in abusive relationships and even essayed. Truly, the stats are beyond depressing. I don't know. I just think it's interesting. Yeah. I've, you know, I've seen a lot of TikToks about uh, women on the autism spectrum who were diagnosed later on in life because of they've just been able to mask like remarkably well. Yeah. Or even just like, I mean, I haven't been formally diagnosed. I mean, we feel like we have some clues. It's not, 
it's not like borderline or anything like that. But I've always I I was the one who went to my doctor and I was like, hey, I think I'm bipolar. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and my doctor was like, mm, no need to write that down. We'll just medic. We'll just give you a low dose of like a mood medication versus like an SSRI because this was after I had been like I feel terribly poisoned by an SSRI I was on, mm-hmm. and so I I just always sort of like went with that because I had to sort of figure it out for myself, which is nothing wrong with that, by the way. Like actually like looking up, looking into what you think might be going on with you is a lot better than spending years trying to get to the bottom of something that you speak to in one hour doses. But I'm like, am I autistic dog? Like (laughs) I I actually think that that, because like, you know, I think that like that's where like, you know, that could be, I don't know. But yeah, anyway, internet comment sections making you re-examine your life every day. That's what I, you know, what I really love about the internet. Big time. Bring me your favorite self-diagnosis for your birthday special, by the way. Oh, I will. I've got an incredible self-diagnosis for my birthday. I can't wait. (laughs) I've got an amazing one. And it's justified as well. I'll leave leave you hanging on that. Oh, my God. Yeah. You guys, check out our show notes for all the stuff that we talked about today. There'll be more there. Hopefully, a lot of these stories will be able to follow up on. There's some great bonus links today, too. Tiffany found a influencer, well, a guy who was posing as an influencer on a big all-expenses-paid influencer trip. He has less than 20 followers. Uh, Later, he got found out, but... There's going to be ideally a great update on that story. So we'll probably be covering that. And there's a little interesting psychology nugget in there as well about trends. So guys, thanks so much for listening. As always, we adore you. Appreciate you. So much. Except you, Elon. Get a life. You. Stop listening. We don't want you to listen. Or pay me. How about that? I'll take Doge. I... (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm open to it. We'll talk soon, you guys. Bye. Bye. Seen a shawty that look like a double G. Every girl in here ten, but it ain't no Tennessee. And you might just get some money, but it ain't no guarantee. Double G's on the left, double G's on the right. And you know I stay in Texas, I don't really like the fight. Like we in 2013, shawty do it for the vine. Shawty moving real well, I might have to wind it down. Threw the money to the ceiling, now I watch it hit the floor. Now rag it up, huh? rap, rap, rag it up, king, bag it up, huh? Bag it up, can you stack it up? Stack, stack, stack it up. She said, Where you at? Sam Marcus down in Texas. And if I drop a pen, best believe that she on the Thought way. She was important, but I'm moving right about the I'm way. Delta cheese tonight. Told her, baby, I got cheese tonight. Get a scholarship. I ain't smoking on no TAC, low tolerance. All these ladies telling me I'm finna blow. Like they tell her, Shout out TurboTax, tax refund. What's another? Like the quarterback at recess. No rush. You gon' end up like a Call of Duty mission. No rush. This ain't UT, white shirt, orange like a pump mama call me ask me how college is and i said bus Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.